Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to Jerusalem U, the Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we keep you up to date with what's going on in Israel and give you some insight behind the headlines. If you want to know why I do my voice differently every time I do that, it's because this is the most boring part of the podcast. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, who has to repeat this at the beginning of every episode. Here, as always, with my co-host, Alan Goldman. How's it going, Alan? It's going great. Awesome to be here at TVA. Midrasha TVA and Yeshiva TVA, right? Uh, we're doing our second annual um, Alumni Recharge podcast with uh, TVA students, and it's pretty exciting. Second annual. That means we're doing second. You know, yeah, we're going to start. We're going to start an award ceremony called the TVs. <laughs> I don't think we'll do that. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, that was incoherent, but uh, it was a dumb dad joke. So we are sitting here with how many people? A whole bunch of TVA. Alumni who were who studied here, you all were here last year, and now they are all around doing all sorts of different interesting things. We'll go around and briefly. You don't have to say your last name if you don't want to. If this is going to turn you into an instant celebrity, you understand. You will now be world famous. Actually, it is one of our most downloaded episode was last year's TVA episode, which, as I was just telling you before we started recording, I thought a lot of people. I thought like young people would like it because it's talking about what's going on on campus. I thought like older, adultier people wouldn't. And it's actually the most feedback I ever got was like that was so interesting was last year's TVA episode. So if we could go around and say – oh, promotional photograph. Yeah. Everybody smile, Rabbi <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rabbi Saif. Uh, promotional photograph taking means – Less going on on the audio part. But back to the audio part. Uh, if everyone could just go around, you can say your first name, you can say your last name. It's not like there's that many downloads. Yeah. Um, and tell us where you are this year and what you're doing. We will start here on my left. Listener, you may hear a little bit of – we don't have the world's most fancy equipment. So if you hear little sort of uh, jiggling sounds, that's just – please, please forgive us. That's the mic. Julian Snyder. What are you doing this year? I'm at Brandeis University. Uh, should I believe you? No. Okay. Julian is a liar. Hi. I'm Jared Dallas, and I'm at uh, Johns Hopkins University this year. Nice. My name's Samantha Subin, and I'm at the University of Maryland. That's a real place. Hi. I'm Ellie Present, and I'm in the Columbia JTS joint program. I don't believe that's a real place. I'm Adina Noble, and I'm at Macaulay at Hunter. Okay. Definitely. You made that one up. Shanna Lowenthal, also Macaulay at Hunter. Kidding. Oh, that's fun. Okay, now I believe you. And on a, on a, now for something completely different. Uh, Leora Spitz, and I'm doing Shirumi National Service in Mahon HaMikdash, or the Temple Institute. And what does that mean? What do you do there? Uh, I'm a tour guide, so I give tours of the vessels that we've prepared for the Third Temple, and I do lots of office work. Well, that'll come in handy. All right. So basically what we did last year, do you want to frame the question? Uh, no, you can do it. Okay. What we did last year and we want to do... Last year he's like, okay, I'm not going to talk at all. So Yeah, you can actually download the episode and I am... Let's talk. So Yeah, I said, I said, because I only started teaching in TVA last year. So I said, well, I don't know these students. So I'll be sort of the wallflower and Alan will talk to the... And then I just couldn't shut up. Yeah, and since he has the mic, so he then he controls when he gets to talk. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so our question is, now that you've had a semester in real life, in the broader world, we talk about talking about Jewish identity in Israel 
when you're in these broader environments. What we wanted to know from you guys was, what questions do you have? What insights do you have? What, what has occurred that has made you think? What, where have you, what have you encountered that made you say, well, gee, how should I talk about this around people? Who wants to jump in? Half a hand. Um, okay, so one question that I've had is that sometimes like Israeli history or Jewish history comes up really casually in college classes, like talking about the Holocaust or other things like that. And I want to know like how, if someone clearly doesn't know what they're talking about, but not like in an offensive anti-Israel way, just it's a casual conversation and they're not prepared, um, like how you should, I guess, respond or raise your hand or speak up in class without like coming on too strong when that's not like the main focus or anything. Do you mean the professor or another student? As, as an example, if someone is, says like brings up the Holocaust as a random example um, to like a greater thing being discussed in a history class, let's say. So why is that? Like, where where does that become a problem? Like, what did they do that they misused? Like, if people don't know their facts. So, so again, if, I mean, it's, you have to make a distinction. You're talking like the professor or the students. So, the students bring mostly students who don't. So, well, that's a good question. Has anybody else had that experience where they are? I had a professor who, like, just got a few things wrong. Um, but, like, we he just sent him a, an email um, explaining it. In the next class, he was, like, he really, like, fixed it up. He said, listen, like, I messed this up last class. Like, let me, like, so, yeah. I mean, it's really a menschlich question, right? It's how to be polite. And you, you have to just decide, I would think. Do they need it? Like, how off were they? Or, like, was it offensively wrong? Like, Okay, um, so I was in a really small writing class of 15 people, and this was at Columbia? In Columbia, um, and for a whole month we were reading um, the writings of Carl Schmitt, a Nazi, um, and so like we're just reading his writings, so it's not necessarily about the Holocaust or anything, we're just exploring his like totalitarian and viewpoints and things like that, but people associated everything he said with his role in the Nazi party and things like that. And the whole class is sort of unsure about some things and getting things wrong. But like that was. So what did they, what, do you remember what they said that was wrong? Not exactly. I just remember thinking like, should I say something or not? And like, and did you? yeah, I did. Well, what'd you say? You don't remember. I don't remember what the exact issue was that was brought up, but I did speak up in class. I just wasn't sure if it was even like necessary or effective in that situation. Well, let me ask you a question. If they made a mistake about the Civil War, would it be important or valuable to correct them? Not everything has to have a political agenda. In, a, in, a, in an academic environment, you want... Things will turn political. And like you're, I, I don't know. I'm scared of that. That's interesting. Right. So why, why you, do other people sense that? And why, Ellie, do you feel like, that, like you're like nervous where that's going to go? Like, like, are you double or triple checking, uh-oh, what's the political ramifications of this sentence going to be? Well, I, well, no, well, I just felt like, oh, this is a small comment. Should I say something or is it not even worth it because I don't know this person's, like, history or their thoughts and, like, it could be something, it could be doing more harm than good. It could be, like, not worth it. So other people shaking their heads around somewhat. What is that? Yeah, you identify that. Um, I mean, at Hopkins, it's not really a political campus. And like, I was taking a modern European history class this year. And when we got to the topic of World War II and the Holocaust, um, 
they the the rest of my section loved that I was I was chiming in and explaining different things that I just knew about the Holocaust because it just added to the experience. No one was really political about it, and no one disliked what I was saying or disagreed. So you don't second guess what the political ramifications of this center. Um, that's interesting because for me, I wrote a paper on slavery and feminism, and um, yeah. you were for both. <laughs> that that I was. And um, I mentioned to my teacher that I was really happy that I wrote about intersectionality because I figured I would shy away from it knowing um, how things are accepted on college campuses today. Um, And we were the only ones in the room. And she turned to me and she's like, why are you so scared of intersectionality? Like, who cares? And I was like, because I'm a Zionist and I think it's incredibly important to support various groups but it gets really sticky and i'm very scared i'm like very over politically correct um especially in a new york university and she said yeah so what so i support pds like you don't you you, like you can't understand like i was born in pakistan and like i i know what it's like um and i've seen like this go down and and so like just me saying the word intersectionality like that triggered her to to like delegitimize my views on Israel, um, and we were the only ones in the room. She knew I was Jewish. She knew I was a Zionist. Um, so yeah, I find it very, very scary to say even like the slightest word. So that, that like reinforced your fear after that. Like you were, I, I was left um, shocked. I had a recording because I, we were going over an essay. Um, I have a recording of the entire conversation. And I was really grateful about that because now I could look back and say like, huh, where were my rebuttals not so strong or where could I have gone better? But I think in the moment I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is this is like what I promised myself I'd be able to do and I was just like paralyzed. Do you, do you feel it affected your grade or anything like that or no? It was I don't. Um, but I, I did make sure not to tell the other um, Jews and um, pro-Israel um, students in the class that she supports BDS because I didn't want um, their view of her to change. She, well, I don't get. She said you shouldn't be afraid to talk about intersectionality. You should know that Zionism is bad. Is that what she was? If you like really believe in in said progressivism, then you should. Be, be a little bit more educated on that which is going on. And given her experiences, um, she knew better than I did. Because she's from Pakistan. That's correct. And I lived in Israel for the year. <laughs> yeah, I think in my experience, so it wasn't with a professor, but it was with like a 50-year-old male student. Like, um, so, so, so it was like an intimidating. What do you got against 50-year-olds? <laughs> it wasn't. It was intimidating, like he's that's an educator. That's like my dream, to go back to university now. Yeah. Well, a lot of hate on the 50-year-olds here on this side of the table. It was, so it was definitely someone who's like knows his stuff. It wasn't an 18-year-old kid. And I just wasn't so nervous. Uh, she thinks 50-year-olds know stuff. <laughs> um, I just guess I was nervous, like making a small comment, correcting him could turn into like a larger fight in the middle of class. And like, would I be prepared to like stand up in that moment like I just was scared that would happen I guess so like is it worth making a small comment about like facts in that situation 
again, that, that's a social question. That's not really a. I, mean, I think the truth. If you if you feel that the truth isn't being represented, I think the truth is important, and people, um, you know, uh, that that's an important thing to get out there. And the other, you know, you, uh, you may not want to get into a screaming match with someone. I don't think that would necessarily be get the truth out there. So it's always the way how how you handle it. Um, I, I was actually Dina by your story. Is that, I, Actually, it sounds like it was actually kind of not. I, I'm trying to figure out like where you. It, it sounds like it was a nice story, in some ways. Like, yeah, she she maybe criticized your politics and put her politics out there, but it didn't seem to like affect further the relationship. Or did it? She didn't say, well, if you because you don't totally understand intersectionality and are a Zionist, this paper on feminism and slavery is now faulty. Yeah. She read the paper as the paper and graded you based on the paper? She read the paper and totally gave me the grade that the paper deserved, but um, I felt slightly attacked, and it wasn't just because, like, I kind of attacked myself. I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. Um, but it was, also, it was also just a sense of, like, stripping me of the validity that I've built up, and I, like felt like I had this this ability to advocate for Israel and advocate for my nationality and my belief system and all of a sudden I just felt like every like I was just just it felt back like backstabbing um, yeah. I guess you're out of the theory and into the practical and that's always a, a part of place part of me wants to say like well you shouldn't politically second guess if you should say it politically or not you should just say what you want to say and not worry about politic politics on the other that's hand, not so, that's not so realistic. It's not so realistic because here you have a person who's an academic who says, your position is invalid without me having to look at it or listen to it. And that's considered normal on a college campus in New York City. Like, oh, if you understand the idea that people are oppressed from different directions, then you understand that Israel's evil, which is quite a leap. That was very strange. Seems to me. Hmm. <laughs> Did you, yeah, go ahead. No, I just um, uh, I had a bit of the opposite experience. Um, I was in an Islamic. Uh, you were writing on maleism and non-intersections and equality, yeah, freedom. Um, uh, I, know, I was in um uh, an Islamic class, uh, and it was at Brandeis, so a lot of the cl- people in the class were Jewish. Um, and a lot of the time, we something about Judaism would come up because something a lot of things in Islam are similar to things in Judaism. Um, and a lot of the time, the professor would often turn to us actually and say, "Like, listen, like, like, did we get that right? Like, is that is that correct?" Um, and like sometimes, like political things would come up. Like often, we talk about the role of religion in society, how it would come up in democracy, and how we deal with it. And a bunch was actually for our final paper. A bunch was wrote about democracy. I personally wrote a paper on um, Islam and government and how the Israeli system is one of the better systems. And I I did well. I was able to talk to my professor and like he had some like very valid points. Um, that like were very obvious that like he was able to like accept the idea within an academic context, um, and was able to like like play with the idea, not necessarily putting his own political views, which I, I didn't learn because he tried to separate it from the class. Um, but he was able to s- just separate those two, which was like a really nice thing for me. I was able to just look at it from an academic perspective. Now, when you say he said, "Are we getting this right?" Who was he asking that to about Judaism? Uh, a lot of the Orthodox Jews. Um, a lot of the Orthodox Jews at campus who had, on, like, in the class who had studied um, for a year in Israel. Um, a lot of them were in the class and often 
you'd see similarities. Uh, like, for instance, with certain things in the calendar, you would deal with a lunar calendar versus a solar calendar. So he was he was saying, and with uh, your prayer times, you have five Muslim prayer t- Islamic prayer times um, that are given in terms of the celestial bodies and the placement of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And like at a certain point, he he said, you know, I think this is this is the same as Ju- Judaism, is it not? Like you guys, and we were saying, you know, there's there's three prayer times, and it's how the sun, the moon, and the stars. But that doesn't sound, that sounds cool. Like like oh, you guys have experience with this. I'll, I'll double check with the guys in my class who have experience. But yeah, exactly. Do, do you, so I have a different question. Sorry, I don't want to take it a different way. But that's pretty interesting. You said there were a uh, number of gap year like alumni from Orthodox backgrounds in that class. I mean, is that like fi- happening on campus, you feel like a lot of people you grew up with are taking classes to fight fi- like Islam it's- and to, yeah, like the Islam and things that you didn't get exposed to uh, in your high school and gap year stuff. I know for me, I've, I just know two of my friends who are currently not at my college taking classes, and a few of my friends at my college who are taking classes. Um, yeah, I know. I wanted. To, I was just curious about it. I mean, I'd spent a year living right next door to a bunch of uh, Islamic countries. Well, a, lot of you, a lot of you shook your heads no. That, that doesn't seem to be uh, something going on. I mean, I don't know for sure. Possibly as like electives later on. Definitely as freshmen, it's not as common because we have so many other core requirements to do right now. And that doesn't always fit into core requirements at different schools. But I know people are interested. A bunch of people take Arabic as an example. I actually, uh, Julian, one friend who I was talking to about it, um, and I told him about the class. Like, I thought I was really into it, and he said he had trouble learning about it because he his family's from Syria, and he said, you know, like the people who follow this religion are the people who kicked my family out of Syria, and I, I have trouble like learning the subject. He's a Christian. No, he's Jewish. Oh, Jewish, and he lived in Syria. Yeah, he lived family, in Syria. Family. His family's from Syria. His family's from Syria. Uh, he's a Syrian Jew. Uh, he said he had trouble like learning the subject because he just like he felt very much like like the people who follow this religion. They're the people who kicked him out of Syria. There's baggage. Yeah, exactly. I, I have another question. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Okay. You're holding that mic pretty close, so I'm a little bit nervous. You're going to poke me in the eye. Um, uh, the oh, <laughs> That's the cheek. Good. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> okay, so I've been just wondering, because there's been a massive change in American policy towards Israel um, with the Trump administration, and it kind of the big the big uh, announcement I think came mostly when you were already out of first semester. I think the announcement on Jerusalem, or was it where you're still in? Oh, uh, they're on campus, right? So, are, have you felt like is it, are the things change or things on campus? Like are people reacting to that, relating to that, or it's like no, like the the Trump the Trump circus is just taking over everything. And I mean, personally, for me, like there was. There were specific people who voiced their opinion on it, but it wasn't a widespread thing on campus. There was no like demonstrations or anything. At least for Hopkins, it's not a very political campus, so we don't really have to deal with those kind of demonstrations or like conversations that often. But, yeah. Anybody else have any Trump administration experiences on campus, or really it stays out of the? That's interesting. Yeah, so Israel, nobody's really, hasn't related to the Jerusalem announcement or anything on campus, you know, you know find anything. That's very interesting. So that, that, that also uh, goes with our prediction that it was just going to be a blip. It does go. <laughs> Tune back to whatever episode that even was. Though, right, even though di- diplomatically it's not. It's, yeah, uh, I think even that ends up as a blip. 
Did anyone? Yeah. I have a question. Um, at Hunter, there are various groups, um, as any other place, but um, I experienced specifically that it's hard for um, various Zionist organizations to gather um, participants in, um, in events because there's such a spectrum of opinions. So people, um, if it's like a generally centrist organization, um, people on the left won't go, people from the right won't go. And um, more specifically, um, we, a group downtown saw that Linda Sarsour was going to be speaking at the new school. And so a large group of us, <laughs> a large group of us um, band together to protest. Um, and when we got there, the JDL was there and they were screaming and not I'm not going to say making the biggest Kedusha Shem, in my opinion. It was it was not the prettiest sight. Um, That's the Jewish Defense League, and you feel their behavior was sending out bad... They were behaving in ways that you didn't think was sending out the right message. Um, I think at a point, even we asked that the chief put, like, a barrier between us in order... Not, not to protect either side from one another, but to show uh, like another voice saying we can stand in peace and, and we can stand in um, silence and as students um, because we, we didn't really feel um, – we didn't feel it was so appropriate to be screaming and riling up um, like an opportunity to have a conversation. Um, and so on that case, we felt like very far to the right was um, – was difficult, and in other cases, at Hunter specifically, we um, we find it's hard to get students who are from J Street, which is, I would say, a majority of um, Hunter Hillel is is J Street um, participants, uh, members, um, and so between the two, it's very hard to run programming, um, and there's pushback from everything. So how do you balance that in terms of events, in terms of even getting your voice out there without pushback from both Zionist organizations, just not exactly what you believe. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're expressing there's a lot of polarization. Like groups just want to be in their own. Um, and people tend to only want to listen to their own, what they already, their own preconceived agenda or what have you. Um, uh, so how do you break that? I think that that's actually the biggest challenge, not only in the Jewish community, but in America today. And I actually see it in Israel, maybe not as bad as Israel, but at least let's talk about it. America, that people are just not like willing to enter into like discussion and dialogue. Um, and that, I think, is a huge threat to community, to democracy, to all of those things. So I would say, I mean, I don't know how one could necessarily do it, but... I mean, have you spoken with J Street? Have you spoken with those groups on the right to like try and do joint events? Or, or under the umbrella of, let's say, Hillel, yeah. come together and co-sponsor or something like that? Or is that just, are we being unrealistic? Um, well, we had Yahya from Stand With Us come to speak at Hunter Hillel, and there were um, many people who decided not to go because they felt that it was a biased point of view. Um, and we're word went around um, and came to a point where Shana, sitting next to me, um, 
Shane and I and a group of other um, Hillel students heard that there would be a speaker from hmm? students. For I don't remember. No, it was not. It was something specific to Hunter. Um, I apologize. Um, regardless, uh, that they were going to be addressing the fact that Yahya came, and so a large group of us came to that um, meeting. But it ended up with a screaming match. Um, oh, by the way, other than that, do you go to J Street events when they put things at? Like not to not to like in scream or protest, but just to be at the events when they put things on. We try to go to all the different um, groups, um, which is why we went to the one about Palestine. From The talk was given from an ex-IDF soldier, um, trying to give his point of view on why Israel is a apartheid state. Um, but, yeah, it ended with a screaming match that wasn't pretty at all. Um, and it was between the person who started the the. Um, the meeting, I guess, the um, event, and one of the speakers. And so it was really, really, really not pretty and um, really scary. So I guess maybe Hunter's it is a problem specifically, but... Historically, it wouldn't be super shocking that Hunter had a, 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 high, you know, a higher f temperature rate on political conversations than, let's say, John Hopkins, where things are relatively cool. Yeah. Did they have that? There was that whole issue that happened a couple of years ago at Hunter with the with the rally um, for student tuition stuff. That turned wasn't that Hunter? It turned into anti-Israel. Joseph, who was also a gap year guy from Nativ, also got in a whole brouhaha there. Uh, remember that? Yep. So I guess you're right. Hunter is. Uh, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it may not be. In other words, so uh, next year at IDC, Adina. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a rough. That's a rough campus. Yeah. There's just there's a certain amount of uphill. There's a certain amount. And to me, it's amazing to hear that people don't want it, it, for people in an academic atmosphere environment to say, "I don't want to hear that point of view because it's biased." That's what a point of view I is. I don't understand. You don't want to hear that point of view because it's biased. So you don't want to hear other points of view. Every point of view is biased. You just don't like that bias, so you don't want to listen to somebody who disagrees with you. Well, that's not a healthy academic environment, and I would argue that that's, if that's what exists at Hunter, then that's problematic, and it must be very draining for you. Um, but other than trying to do things as umbrella and shared as possible, I, I don't know. I kind of want to – can I shift – can I ask another question? Why are you asking me, man? You're my boss. <laughs> I think uh, – I, I wonder what it's like to be a Jewish student on campus today. I mean, it's been a few years since I've been to campus. Like, what, like, love that. It's been a few years since you're Jewish? <laughs> not just, uh, I mean, Israel stuff is also important, but just in general, like, what's it like? What's the atmosphere for Jewish students on college campus today? Who's taking that one? Speaking for the Jews, we have someone from a very Jewish campus. Uh, it's pretty great. Jewish life is very strong. Um, I don't know. I go to Brandeis. It's a place where. A lot of the non-Jews know a lot about Jewish life because a lot of their friends are Jewish. Um, it's not necessarily the most religious place, but it's a very Jewish place. Uh, I know for me, my my orientation leader told me that her favorite holiday is Purim. Like it's it's very much a, a, a Jewish place for me. I, I I assume that Binghamton has a similar feel. Um, I don't know about 
the other colleges. Uh, but I mean, it's on a Jew. It's a Jewish college. It's pretty great. Very Jewy. I mean, at Columbia and like Barnard, there's a huge Hillel and a huge Jewish community. Um, like going back to Israel for a sec. I know you just wanted to talk about being a Jew on campus, but like Columbia, as I've been told and warned many times, has a massive apartheid week, and that hasn't happened yet. So I haven't like experienced that first time. We had Israel Week. We had multiple Israel weeks because there's different pro-Israel organizations who don't coordinate the same Israel week. They want to have different ones. Oh, like Hunter. Why is that? Why is that? Um, um, but but a, they just don't want to be associated with other groups Israel Weeks. There's just a few. <laughs> like for instance, what are those groups? Um, so REA had an Israel Week. That's a big political group. I mean, like pro-Israel group on campus that I guess is like what most of us would most closely associate with or be members of. Um, there's J Street. There's SSI. Might be other stuff also, I'm not sure. There's just a lot of groups, and they don't work together, similar to what Adina was saying. So for Israel Week, like, REA hosted one, but J Street people wouldn't go. SSI hosted one. They're all, like, in the same physical location, like, in the center of campus, just, like, different days, and they were very close to each other, if I remember correctly. Um, They just have different tactics in how they approach reaching being pro-Israel, I guess, on campus. Um, and then Apartheid Week, there is definitely, a, from what I've been told, there's a huge divide in all the pro-Israel groups, and I guess that maybe hurts us more than helps us. But being a Jew on campus during, I guess, the rest of the year is, is pretty easy and pretty chill. There's a huge community, so that makes it easy. It's just when Israel comes into it that things get divided and get tense. Do you think, do you think students, before they go to campus, over-worry about what Jewish life is going to be like on campus? So I go to University of Maryland, so there's definitely a large population of Jews. I would just say that there isn't so much intermingling between different sects of Judaism. Um, and also within the Orthodox community, there obviously is problems of you know individuals who might say they're Orthodox, but it's you're not 100% sure what exactly that means for them. Um, but other than that, I would say it definitely is much easier to be Jewish. You have the Hillel there. You have a lot of, um, for the most part, pro-Israel organizations. I mean, we did have a big BDS bill that was in discussion a few like, about a month or two ago. Um, so that was definitely interesting to watch. But um, I, they ultimately decided that um, BDS wasn't really a decision for a college campus to make or discuss on. So I think that ultimately benefited the pro-Israel community. Well, I'm not sure if I remember the question correctly, but I think you were saying, like, does it factor in? To, well, I think, did you overworry? Oh, yeah. Did you overworry about, like, being a Jew on campus? And I think it factors into everyone's college decisions nowadays. Like, you only apply to certain places, um, like, based on, I guess, Jewish community or if you can handle a smaller Jewish community or if you want a bigger Jewish community. So I think people worry about being a Jew on campus even when they're just applying to college. And then they choose a college based on like fitting their needs for those things. And do they do they factor in is pro-Israel and anti-Israel atmosphere on campus? Um, so I also go to Brandeis, and like before, when I was applying and when you know I decided to go there, probably every single one of my Bubby's friends came up to me and was like, "Oh, you're so courageous! That campus is so liberal. It's so anti-Israel." Like even my own parents, it's like Brandeis has a reputation for being so anti-Israel which might be true, but what I found is the reality, like, day-to-day, you don't, you don't feel that. It doesn't feel like there are, like, tensions constantly. 
Um, so I think it's important to recognize what's going on in your campus, but I don't think, first of all, don't listen to all of your Bubby's friends. Um, <laughs> second of all, just... This anti-Bubby message has been brought to you by people who don't like people over 50. Right. No, it's still in general. It's still in general. Good to but, but yeah, it's important to recognize what's going on and what the reputation is might not necessarily be reality. Um, so I don't know how you reconcile, like, being prepared to combat, you know, anti-Israel sentiment versus like. Well, no, there's stuff. There is stuff going on that you should be aware of. But I, I do think people over worry about it and over present like there's this horrible crisis going on, and it's day in day out. You don't feel that day to day necessarily. Yeah. Um, speaking for the small colleges in the room, um, like for me, there was definitely like a, an over worrying aspect where I thought, oh, it's going to be so hard to get minion every day. It's going to be such a small community. But when I got there, it it's much more of a powerful community and um, to what Samantha said in that in her bigger school with Maryland the sects are much more sectionalized in Hopkins we're very very much connected in in the Hillel and we're all like doing most of our activities together like some of my best friends are conservative or reform and I think that's what makes us a really strong community in that we have all like we've bridged that divide I think we have somebody from the admissions we have a mole from the admissions office at Hopkins it looks like <laughs> I mean, that mirrors, I think, mirrors often general Jewish community. In other words, the bigger Jewish communities have more distinct groups, and when you go to smaller Jewish communities, they tend to get along uh, better. I remember it was one of the shocking things I saw when I went out to Seattle for a year after college, coming from like having been in Philadelphia and Seattle. The Jews were much more united as a community across across groups because of that. Um, so that's... Uh, uh, that that has always sort of thought me. Oh, maybe I should be living in a small Jewish community in the Midwest somewhere. You know, <laughs> now you live in a small Jewish community in the Middle East. Yeah, exactly. But then that's just got its own issues. <laughs> uh, so, any guys, anything? Laura, Lior. What? <laughs> What's your year like? Lior is to- something, as we said, something totally different. Lior is decided to do Shirut Lumi. Yeah. You made Aliyah. You made Aliyah. Oh, you didn't make Aliyah yet. Not yet. Um, I am planning to go back to New York next year. I'm going to Barnard um, and hopefully making Aliyah right after. Um, I know my year's been interesting. I'm definitely interacting with lots of groups that I never thought I would be uh, because I speak English. I mostly deal with Christian groups, uh, so I get very interesting questions. But What's the most interesting? Um, I, things that will not excite you <laughs> that are very temple-based. Um, but they ask a lot about Jesus and I guess how he fits into like the temple and then always someone like pops well, up. Through the front door, right? I mean, <laughs> that. Well, you know, through the rip in the middle of the curtain um, and then always someone else pops up and it's like, I'm so sorry, like I'll explain for you and I'm really okay holding my own. Um, but overall, like people are very interested in what we have to say. It's, it is often the Jewish tour leaders who come and will take issue um, with what we're doing and will start to yell at me. Um, <laughs> but overall, like, it's been great interacting with lots of different people. The moral of the story is don't yell at people if they get a fact wrong. I think is, <laughs> yelling is never... You know. Respond calmly and you're the expert in the room. <laughs> so act like it. Yeah, that's kind of dispiriting, though, that tour guides are jerky. That tour leaders, she said, not yeah. guides, right? The tour leaders, guys, whatever. Yeah. Same difference. I don't really know why they would bring them there if they if they don't want to like learn what you have to say. But it's usually people coming to check out and see if they want to bring future groups there, uh-uh. and then they walk out and say no. Yeah. <laughs> Advice for this year's students about how to prepare for next year. Yeah. We'll wrap up with that. Great. Advice. 
Your wisdom, your under 50 wisdom? I would say just to enjoy your year and not really think about college until afterwards. Um, just live in the moment and appreciate being in Israel for the year and whatever that has to offer you. Um, I would say when you move into college, just make sure you're comfortable in your own skin. It's really, really important to be confident in who you are and who you are and what your identity is, and people very much respect that, and it goes a long way. Just remember that when you're in college, you're not in your gap year anymore. So just remember, just you have to get back into it. You have to get back into like the work life. You have to get back into getting things on time. You have to work back into studying for tests and stuff. But also remember here that take a break. What are you implying about gap year? Yeah. It's not. Can't really tell. No comment. <laughs> Uh, no, anybody over here? Advice? Let's get on the line here. No? Advice for next year? Nobody? Crickets. No advice. Uh, I, for anyone who's thinking about Israel, just know that your plans will work out. It might be in the middle of camp, but it happens. And also that if you end up going back to America, that is also okay. And don't feel guilty about your decisions. <laughs> Okay, with that, we will um, uh, bless all of you that hopefully you will, after going back to America, uh, oh, ble- uh, bless you and please bless me back, that we're all together um, in, in Eretz Israel uh, next year, in, uh, and hopefully um, uh, Medinad Israel will be uh, uh, a place for all of you to see yourselves, not just as a place to visit for recharge, but a place as, as your home. And uh, which it is, yeah, which it really is. And even uh, if your home is somewhere else, your homeland is here, so it's also your home. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Mike. All right, bye bye. You've been listening to the Jerusalem U podcast, The Teacher's Lounge. Teacher's Lounge is produced by Matthew Lippman. You can subscribe to our podcast pretty much anywhere where you can find any podcast iTunes, Stitcher, etc. And we'd really appreciate if you would give us feedback and ratings in those places and recommend it to your friends. Thanks. Bye-bye.